Would you like some gravy on your racism? Yep, uh, Thanksgiving is tomorrow, and everybody, uh, wish you a happy Thanksgiving. And uh, But what better time to talk about racism than Thanksgiving? The Wednesday before Thanksgiving was one of my favorite days of the year when I was in college. Uh, if you were in college at some point, uh, I'm sure you know what I'm talking about. It was great to get home, see friends uh, that you haven't seen since you left for school in September, maybe. You know, we we would talk about our Turkey Bowl football game uh, the next day or on Friday after Thanksgiving. And believe me, the Turkey Bowl football game was serious business for the guys I ran around with. Uh, we played serious football on Thanksgiving. Not we, we weren't running around in sneakers. We had the spikes, and it was serious stuff from the time I was 12 till I was 40. But that was a big deal, So uh, and I looked forward to it and couldn't wait to get home to, to prepare for it, talk about it, find out what time the game was, who was going to play. We always had the same game, actually. It was the old guys against the young guys. The old guys were, you know, at one point were 22, and the young guys were 19 or 18. They're now in their mid-60s, so they're not young guys. But when you're that age, they seemed really young. And um, remind me to tell you about the story about the time that Jack Ham. And um, uh, Mike Wagner played for us on our Turkey Bowl team, and we lost. And we also had Lynn Swan play for us the next year. He played quarterback, and we won. But that's a, that's a different story. Anyway, when I went to college, uh, there was a little more sanity on college campuses, I think. There was a lot of insanity, but I, I don't think it was quite as nuts as it is now. And all over the country... The kiddies, uh, apparently, on college campuses have been talking about what a bad idea Thanksgiving is. Just the whole concept is just not good. Here are some future leaders of America on the campus of the University of Oregon. And they're talking about an event, believe it or not, called Thanks But No Thanksgiving Decolonizing an American Holiday. On campus, they're hosting an event called Thanks But No Thanksgiving. It's about decolonizing a holiday. Um, about finding the rage, the racial problems and the cultural problems with it. What do you think about that? That's great. I mean, but like, doesn't help natives, does it? Yeah, there's definitely a, a racial history to, or a racist history to Thanksgiving. Okay. And that should probably definitely be addressed more um, in education. The whole concept of like taking land and um, assigning a value to it through cost is like. It was different through European cultures. Oh, I mean, yeah, sure, there are racist aspects of its history, definitely. What would you find racist? Um, The fact that we're celebrating taking away land from natives. Okay, okay. It's pretty racist. Here on campus tomorrow, they're hosting an event called Thanks But No Thanksgiving, Decolonizing a Holiday. And it's about celebrating the fact that supposedly when you celebrate Thanksgiving, you're celebrating the genocide of Native Americans and that we should be more culturally aware and things like that. Do you think that that's really helpful or necessary in any way, really? It's great. We can talk about it, but like people yeah. are still going home for Thanksgiving, spending thousands of dollars on plane tickets to celebrate it. So, do you think Thanksgiving shouldn't be celebrated like at all then, or? Yeah, well, I, think, I mean, we we can definitely. I mean, it doesn't have to be not celebrated, but like if we can change it to instead of feeding ourselves, maybe feeding natives or donating to natives. Like, do we really need a giant feast every? You know, thing? I don't know. Just yeah. thoughts. Um. That was Campus Reform, by the way, that did that interview. Uh, that's a good good website if you want to get a good laugh uh, about what's happening. Uh, I guess you wouldn't be laughing about it if you spent like fifty thousand dollars a year to send your kid there, and that's what and, you, and he showed up on that uh, that tape right there, that audio. 
Um, but Thanksgiving was a pretty big deal with the Pilgrims up there in New England. And up, up there at uh, Merrimack College in North Andover, Massachusetts, the library was promoting an article called Decolonizing Thanksgiving, a toolkit for combating racism in schools. And it tells the kiddies how to de-romanticize Thanksgiving. That's their word, not mine. And it refers to Thanksgiving as a day of mourning. That was the hashtag on their Facebook page. And you thought it was a day to be with your family and give thanks. Uh, you know, and, that, and here it is. It's, a, it's supposed to be a day of mourning. So maybe you should all wear black to dinner tomorrow night. One handy element of that toolkit is a link to a blog post that's called, and I'm quoting here, uh, let's see, 10, 10 uh, Ways to Make Your Thanksgiving About Social and Environmental Justice. Now, I don't know about you, but my Thanksgiving is going to be about turkey, mashed potatoes, stuffing, gravy, and my wife's pecan pie, maybe some other stuff. Now, this is all the part of the plan to educate parents on how they can educate their younger kids their kids' teachers, that is, so that they can ruin Thanksgiving for them. They want to make sure from now on, while they have them captive in the schools, don't tell them it's a good story about how the Indians and the colonists uh, you know, came together and they broke bread and had food and prayed and, and gave thanks and blah, blah, blah. No, none of more, no more of that. It's, uh, it's supposed to be about how terrible white people are, especially the white people who came over in ships and stole the country. Now, the school that uh, did this, Merrimack uh, College up in North Andover, they took some heat, apparently, for the, um, for the hashtag that said a day of mourning. So um, they, they deleted that. So that's gone. And at the University of Pennsylvania, because uh, this, this is going on everywhere, and this is just a few of them. At the university, and it's nice to have somebody like Campus Reform keeping tabs on this. And again, I don't know, we're going to have a Pennsylvania University of Pennsylvania student on here in, a, uh, in our next after the after the half hour break. But um, at the University of Pennsylvania, a freshman uh, dorm hosted uh, something, and this is what it was officially called: a conversation on racism, considerations on Thanksgiving, and America's politics. This is what they're going to. Uh, I'm, I'm see. I'm trying to picture myself at Kent State way back in the 20th century, and I'm kind of geeked up about going home and seeing all my friends and my family and having the big Thanksgiving dinner and and saying, you know, Bob, I, what I'm going to do Wednesday after class, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to sneak on over to the that dorm over there, the freshman dorm, and I'm going to check in on a conversation on racism, considerations on Thanksgiving and America's politics. Instead of, you know, going out and having a few beers with my friends, I'm, I'm going to go over there. Uh, and according to Campus Reform, the event will be conducted, it says here, by a Penn graduate assistant, this is good, who uses they, them pronouns, <laughs> that means no, no he's and she's, uh, and is invested in anti-racism politics. So tomorrow, maybe, maybe you can set aside some time to give thanks that you aren't a student at any of these insane asylums. When we come back, I actually have, believe it or not, more stupidity about racism and not necessarily Thanksgiving. Stick around.
Don't be at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage. The 2018 Donut Hole is closing fast. Open enrollment ends December 7th, and you have some important decisions to make today. This is John Steigerwald. Medicare is confusing. Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial know you have questions, and they have the answers you're looking for. Before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold Pat for 2019? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premiums are going up next year and how much? Should you switch your Part D prescription plan or drop it all together? Don't go it alone. Let Marley Financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want. A plan that focuses not just on cost, but quality. With lower deductibles and co-pays that are little to none. Why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses? Visit MarleyFG.com today. That's MarleyFG.com. Are you about to pay double for roof replacement or repair? If you haven't called Windows or Us, you just might. Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for siding, doors, gutters, downspouts, and roof replacement and repair. Factory certified by North America's largest roof manufacturer, Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure sales approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months on up to $20,000. Windows R Us will match any competitor's price. No hidden fees or surprises ever. Schedule a free roof inspection today. Mention AM 1250 for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company. Windows R Us, more than a window company. Visit windowsruspittsburgh.com. Did you know that when you buy a mattress from a retail store, that mattress is being sold for the second time? What do I mean? Well, the manufacturer sells the mattress to the retailer who in turn sells it to you with costs and markups for both parties. At the Original Mattress Factory, we have our own factory right here at our store. So the mattress you buy is being sold for the first and only time. That's why our prices are hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see for yourself. It's been a full day. The to-do list is done, the kids are in bed, the dishes can wait. Right now, this moment is just for you. It's your chance to unwind. It's your end of day, ah... At the Original Mattress Factory, we're proud supporters of the end of day awe, and we want to see how you relax at the end of your busiest days. Share your posts on Facebook, Instagram, or Twitter with the hashtag end of day awe for the chance to win a $1,000 Original Mattress Factory gift certificate. Relax. You've earned it. How will you react to a natural disaster or random act of violence at your church, school, or daycare? You'll react the way you're trained. This is John Sikoyan, owner of Command Excellence. Join me November 29th for Salem Media Safety and Security Conference at Christ Church at Grove Farm. Along with security experts from local law enforcement, the FBI, and district attorney's office, our team will help you identify areas of risk and show you how to respond in order to keep your congregation and children safe. RSVP now at TheAnswerPDH.com. Over two-thirds of Christian young people will step away from their faith while attending a non-Christian college or university. But AM 1250 The Answer and Salem Media Pittsburgh have a solution. Salem Media Pittsburgh has partnered with Judson University, a private Christian college, in offering a limited number of special grants designed to decrease the cost of tuition by over half. These tuition grants are available now. Call our tuition solution specialist at 412-503-4769 to reserve yours. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. 
Now, one thing also that I think it would be a, a good discussion at the Thanksgiving dinner table tomorrow would be um, that uh, that maybe there should be a little bit of a more realistic um, take on exactly what was going on here when the evil white people came over and took the country away from the natives. Um, the natives were killing each other. They were taking over um, parts of land that one tribe would take over and would conquer another tribe and then take over the land that that tribe was occupying. And that was going on all over the continent and uh, what is now Canada and the United States. And um, as opposed to what's been portrayed a lot in old Western movies and even in, I guess, in some history books and just in, I guess, in the, um, in the culture in general, just in American tradition, that there's that it was the, the peace-loving um, savages, if they were, if you could call them that, but the, you know the noble savage uh, who was just uh, only interested in living peacefully and not bothering anybody, and was just absolutely overrun by evil white people who were just out to kill them. Uh, there's a little, there's a little bit of truth in all that, but. Not enough time is spent <clears throat> talking about what really was going on with uh, what we call Indians in those days, and that is that they were also warring against each other, tribe against tribe, and they were taking over land that didn't belong to them after they killed the people and and uh, butchered them and did a lot of other nasty things to them uh, before they took the land over, including cannibalism, by the way. Now, that was going on. So, uh, you know, I don't know if any of these people will talk about that at Thanksgiving, that the Indians that were that were feeling so terrible about so guilty uh, of about having destroyed their lives. They were eating each other. OK, maybe not for Thanksgiving dinner, but they were actually there was cannibal. There was cannibalism going on. Uh, and they found that out by, believe it or not, going. It's a it's a um, it's a uh, study called uh, the study of paleofeces. That's old poop. Okay, where corporalite, naturally preserved feces, is studied to determine the food available to ancient populations. It shows the presence of human proteins, which can only come from consuming human flesh as you get ready for your dinner tomorrow. Uh, Fecal samples are taken from various sites throughout the Americas. And uh, down in Peru, they preserve the earliest evidence of headhunting in all three native cultures, the Paracas, the Nazca, and the Huari. And given the dry climate, well-preserved heads have been found, which show the process of ritual mutilation. The brain was removed through a hole in the forehead, and the lips were sealed shut by two thorns. This is, uh, this is what was going... This is not me making this up. This is... Geologists have found this. So uh, all I'm pointing that out for is to say that um, that we're, they talk about de-romanticizing Thanksgiving. If we're going to de-romanticize Thanksgiving, you need to maybe de-romanticize the natives uh, and what was going on here and what we did when we got, not we, what what the non-natives did when, uh, when they got here and how they, it was all just evil uh, people of uh, white, white skin uh, taking advantage of the poor um, people of color and it was not it was all one-sided and the the people of color all they wanted was peace to be left alone and they were uh, loving each other it's not true so it's uh, it's a myth and it's not it's not talked about enough so uh, the aztec it says here cooked uh, the flesh of victims into a stew 
with tomatoes. You know the Aztecs, they're the ones that are looked to as the civilized ones. Uh, they cooked the flesh of victims into a stew with tomatoes and peppers. And uh, we also have the finds at Ectepec near Mexico City. That's not that far from here. At Tula, at Burnt Mesa, New Mexico, and the Mancos Canyon, the Atacapa of southwestern Louisiana, among the Tupinamba and the Carib. Uh, the very term cannibal comes from the name of that, that tribe, whom Columbus first encountered. So you know, we just heard somebody say that Columbus was evil, and uh, you can and, and the, the, the image that is that people like to portray is that Columbus uh, came upon these peaceful people uh, who were just loving each other, and all they wanted to do was love the people who they saw show up in the ships and riding on horses, and all they wanted to do was just be, befriend them, and everything. everybody could have lived in peace, and actually the Europeans should have just gone back home when they saw that the, the land was occupied. But as it turns out, uh, they were eating each other, okay, and they were killing each other, and... Um, it says here in this uh, piece that the glut of evidence is processed in the mill of relativism, relativism, I should say, however, and what emerges is the intellectualization of man's inhumanity to man, which passes for scholarly neutrality. In other words, no one can bring himself to say that one culture can be better than another, especially if that other happens to be the Western one, meaning European. The exhortation is always the same. We must understand, not judge. But how do you understand children being tortured, slaughtered, and then eaten? More importantly, what is there to understand? So, those just that doesn't mean that all that's all that was going on here when when the Europeans arrived. But just if if someone's going to talk about and have a uh, uh, whatever they call that, whatever they had in the dorm, a uh, a, a meeting, a uh, an event that is going to de-romanticize Thanksgiving, then let's de-romanticize all of it then, okay? Not just the, the, the part that involves the Europeans. Now, that gets me to, this is not, this is not about um, Thanksgiving, but I'm sure if you were listening to the opening segment today, uh, maybe as you're driving home looking forward to the holiday, uh, you're a little worried about now about, you know, how much time you should spend tomorrow uh, talking about racism at dinner. And what subjects to discuss, because that's something that everybody wants to bring up, uh, no matter what color. Uh, you want to talk about racism as you're eating your Thanksgiving dinner. Uh, fortunately for you, I, I know this is a fact because I've come across some great advice for you. It's a piece in Bizarre Magazine, or I guess Bizarre.com if there is no more Bizarre Magazine. But uh, And believe it or not, it's called How to Talk to Your Family About Racism on Thanksgiving. And it's by someone named Rachel Elizabeth Cargill. She says, toxic ideologies often start around family dinner tables. That's what she says in the beginning of this piece. And I'm sure you have fond memories of the toxic ideologies that came up at a Thanksgiving dinner with your family at some point, maybe when you were a kid. Uh, and you've carried them with you because that's kind of what everybody does at um, at dinner, especially Thanksgiving. You, you pass around the... Uh, the rules and the mashed potatoes and the gravy and the toxic ideologies. And everybody just, you know, who, what's your toxic ideology? And then that person throws one out and then you go to the next person around the table. I know it's a, it's a big tradition in my family. It's probably the same in yours. But um, here's what, so as a, as a way of knowing uh, how to talk about this tomorrow at dinner. Again, don't be talking about the Steelers or the Penguins or or uh, don't even. I mean, you can talk about politics because that, that you can work this in 
any any of the any discussion about politics would have to include this. But uh, you know, don't talk about how you who you who you dating now, or how are things going at college, or any of that, any of that kind of stuff. Read any good books lately? Just pass around a few toxic ideologies. But here's here's what. Here's what uh, the author of this piece, Rachel Elizabeth Cargill, there's a couple of things that she suggests you do. Start with a few obvious points, she says, and we go right to Columbus. you got to start with Columbus, who has absolutely nothing to do with Thanksgiving, by the way. But anyway, uh, Columbus was not a hero, but in reality, a destructive colonizer. Now, that's what I, I just talked about. That's Columbus is evil. He got off of the, uh, the Nina, the Pinta, the Santa Maria. I forget which one he was actually riding on and just started killing people. And uh, he was an evil man and should not be celebrated in any way, including if you live in Columbus, Ohio. But uh, this uh, uh, Rachel Elizabeth Cargill says, for some reason, for some reason, white people still cling to the idea that he did something monumental and worthy of praise. So stop clinging to the idea that someone going, uh, leaving his the comfort of home and uh, boarding a ship made out of wood that could be destroyed by the ocean at any time uh, and sailing off into the into the ocean, not knowing, uh, not having any idea what's going to be. Who knows how many miles out there, just sailing in what could be into uh, definite death, and then landing on a on land, uh, showing up on land that had never been seen before by anybody in the continent from which you came, and uh, surviving however long how long it take a couple of months to to cross the ocean in those days maybe more, and and to land and survive and. And eventually lead to the what is now the Western world. You should not be clinging to the idea that anything about that was monumental or worthy of praise, according to uh, Rachel Elizabeth Cargill. So bring that up at dinner tomorrow. And then another thing you need to bring up is taking a knee. Of course, you can't have dinner tomorrow without talking about Colin Kaepernick. And I know that'll come up at our our dinner table tomorrow for sure. Um, and you, when, when it does, what you have to say is Colin Kaepernick was demanding justice for hundreds of unarmed American black men being shot uh, and killed in American streets unjustly by police officers. Now, of course, the only problem with that is there are not hundreds of unarmed blacks being shot by police. It's a nice, uh, nice theme to have for taking the knee and justifying it. And there are obviously some problems with uh, uh, cops and uh, the treatment of blacks and and trying to work that all out. But to say that there are hundreds of unarmed black men being shot in American streets, not having been shot, being shot, she writes here, which means that it goes on every day. Hundreds. Is that 200? 500? How many? And then, again... As you're eating dinner tomorrow night, if, if Rachel Elizabeth Cargill um, of Bazaar.com suggests that you spend a little time talking about white privilege. Because according to her, no matter how poor you were, no matter what neighborhood you grew up in, you were still white. I'm assuming that if you're listening right now, you're white. I mean, if you're not, I'm, you know, I apologize, but that's what she's writing here. No matter how uh, uh, poor you were, no matter what neighborhood you grew up in, you were still white. While experiencing it, you were indeed reaping the benefits of societal preference 
toward white skin. Um, I don't know if that – I'm going to be eating white meat tomorrow when I eat my turkey, but I, I kind of like both, and, I, and I, 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 I'm equally, actually. And I'm going to put gravy on all of it, and it'll be Thanksgiving. And you know what I'm going to do? Not talk about any of this. I'm going to eat and just eat and have a good day and a nice holiday. That's what everybody should do. We'll be right back. With SRN News, I'm Keith Peters in Washington. Pentagon Chief Jim Mattis says he's been given expanded authority to use military troops to protect customs and border protection personnel at the southwestern border. The new authorities from the White House come with the Trump administration believing the migrant caravans pose a danger to Border Patrol personnel. We have identified over 500 criminals. Homeland Security Secretary Kirsten Nielsen yesterday while touring the border. Mattis says he'll only exercise the new authority if Nielsen makes a specific request. He says the troops could use lethal force if necessary and could also temporarily detain migrants if they're violence. I would put it in terms of minutes. Insisting to reporters here the troops will not do law enforcement and do not have arrest authority. Sagar Magani at the Pentagon. On Wall Street today, the Dow down by a point. This is SRN News. Do you hear that? That's the sound of conservatives winning the war on issues like gun rights, religious liberty, immigration law, and the sanctity of life. We use our phones every single day, so why not use them to make change? Patriot Mobile does just that. They exist to donate a portion of your monthly bill to 17 conservative organizations fighting for your beliefs. And for the entire month of November, you can buy one line and get another line free for 12 months. Look, I just got a second phone from my studio, a journalist-only phone from Patriot Mobile. It makes everything easier, and I know when I pay the bill, a portion of that money is going to the Heritage Foundation and 16 other great conservative causes. I believe in Patriot Mobile. Switching to Patriot Mobile is easy. You can keep your number, get the same super reliable nationwide service, and feel good about funding the right agendas with every call you make. With unlimited plans starting as low as $20 per month, why wait? Visit them online at patriotmobile.com forward slash you or call 1-800-A-PATRIOT. That's 1-800-272-8746. Patriot Mobile. Come join the family. Hugh Hewitt sees a bright future for the GOP. Look ahead to the map in 2020. The United States Senate, the Republicans pick up one in Alabama, so it'll be up to 54. I do not see five Senate takeaways from the Republicans on that map. If you do, tell them, and I'll, I'll be I'll be alarmed. So I think the Senate locked down. I see lots of money coming in. I heard Mitch McConnell say, we're going to develop an answer to Act Blue. The Hugh Hewitt Show, weekday mornings at 6, right before Mike Gallagher at 9, on AM 1250. The Answer. Hurt in an accident? I can't help you. But if you've invented a new product, improved an existing device, or need help registering a trademark, call me, Attorney Gary Topoloski, at 877-5-PATENT. I've been helping clients protect their ideas for nearly 35 years. Email me at patentlawyerpittsburgh.com. Ask about my discounts for veterans and seniors. 877-572-8368. Now's the time to pursue your dreams, but let's protect them first. There can be benefits to consolidating local school districts, but operational concerns, contractual, economic, and even parochial matters stand to trump any rush to future mergers. As an analysis by the Allegheny Institute for Public Policy concludes, given past experiences, both voluntary and mandatory consolidations in Pennsylvania seem very unlikely. To learn more about this important public policy issue and others, visit AlleghenyInstitute.org, where conventional thinking is challenged every day. This is Dr. Sebastian Gorka, 
President Obama's eight years of leading from behind left the world in flames. From Russia's invasion of Ukraine to North Korea's missile tests and a growing ISIS caliphate. Under President Trump, American leadership is being restored. But that does not mean our enemies have disappeared. That's why I wrote my new book, Why We Fight, defeating America's enemies with no apologies. As a former deputy assistant to President Trump for strategy, I explained the threats posed by enemies like Russia, China, and the global jihadi movement. We must know our enemies and have the will to defeat them. In my book, Why We Fight, we take off the political correctness blinders of the Obama years and learn how we can vanquish our enemies without mortal combat. Sebastian Gorka's new book, Why We Fight, Defeating America's Enemies with No Apologies, is available now from Amazon and Barnes & Noble. Stuck in traffic? We've got the answer. On the outbound Parkway East, it is very heavy from Boulevard of the Allies to Edgewood Swissvale. Parkway West also seeing its share of delays outbound Banksville Road to Carnegie and the usual volume on the inbound side. Outbound 28, that's slow from the Parkway North to the 40th Street Bridge. Disabled vehicle was there. It is now cleared out. Also slow outbound 65, delays approaching the McKees Rocks Bridge. PA Turnpike looking good eastbound till you get to Somerset, then very heavy from there to Breezewood. That's a look at traffic. I'm Jenny Robinson. AM 1250, the answer, weather. Cloudy, brisk, and cold this evening with a couple of flurries. Parts of the area could see a heavier snow shower that can lead to some slippery travel. Clearing skies and very cold later tonight, below 18 degrees. Thanksgiving Day tomorrow, sunny to partly cloudy, quite cold, high 28. Below tomorrow night, 20 degrees. Mostly sunny for Friday, not as harsh, 43. I'm meteorologist Danielle Niddle on AM 1250, the answer. The John Steigerwall Show, AM 1250, The Answer. Well, you can be pretty sure that there's going to be lots of Thanksgiving dinner tables uh, tomorrow with kids either looking at their phones while they're eating or wishing they were looking at their phones and wondering what their friends are doing while they're eating and wishing they were on their phone instead of eating. It won't be happening at my Thanksgiving dinner, but it'll be happening all over the place because kids are kind of addicted to social media. Lots of them are anyway. And being addicted, if that's the right word, to social media, and not just if you're a kid, by the way, can lead to depression. And we know that now because of a study done at the University of Pennsylvania. Jordan Young was part of that study. She joins us now. Jordan, thanks for being here. Thank you for having me. So, uh, first of all, you're a student, so uh, that makes this interesting. And it wasn't just a, I know it wasn't just a study done by students, but how were you part of this study? So I was one of the primary researchers on the study, and yes, I am an undergraduate at the University of Pennsylvania, but I worked very closely with the PI on the study um, to the point that we're actually co-authors on it. Um, and it was part of a research endeavor that we were interested in exploring social media. So basically our PI said, okay, if you can come up with a study design and you can run it with students at the University of Pennsylvania, let's see if we find anything interesting. And it turns out that we did. So whose idea was it, though? Was it a student's idea, or was it the school's idea? You know, was it come from the faculty somewhere? Oh, it was um, me, my two co-authors, and then our professor. And we met and we just discussed it because we had an initial interest in social media. And then me and the other two students on the study were the ones that actually came up with the design and did all of the data collection and everything like that. Well, that's pretty cool. So you're a student, and this was your idea, and this study has is, uh, is, uh, gotten a lot of good reviews and getting a lot of uh, coverage, isn't it? Oh, yes, it is. We were we were very surprised by it, but we're glad that the findings are helping people. 
Now, uh, we're not talking just about Facebook here. It's Facebook, uh, Snapchat, and... And, and Instagram. Yes. Instagram, yeah. So, um, just for just for my purposes, and just for because uh, I'm curious, um, where do they rank right now? Do you think among people of your generation, college college age kids, maybe you know teenagers? You know, the data has not really been collected on that point. Actually, um, the majority of the research that has been conducted indicates that Facebook is um, the most highly used. But that's again just the studies that we were able to find. Mm-hmm. So I don't think I don't think that's actually that point has been investigated enough, which is. Primarily, why we took on this study, there just isn't enough research on it. Well, I, I just I hear, and this is just uh, anecdotal. I mean, I haven't done any kind of research at all on it, but I, I've I've just been hearing that Facebook, among um, at least among um, maybe high school kids, is seems to have um, the, the use of the the, the 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 I don't know dependence on I guess is the word of Facebook has been dwindling in favor of Snapchat. Is that um, we didn't. So we didn't look at those numbers specifically, but I, the, uh, the main point that our study was trying to get across is that either way, using these social media applications has a negative impact on your well-being, no matter which one you're using. Yeah, that's what I wanted to get to. So how did you conduct the study and, and how did you um, gather the data to come to your conclusion? So we used undergraduates at the University of Pennsylvania as our sample population, and we had two groups of students. Um, we had one group that was told to use as usual, and they were what we refer to as our control group so that we could actually do an experiment with them. And then we had another group who was told to limit their usage to at most 10 minutes per platform per day. So they were not allowed to exceed 30 minutes of usage on social media total. And the reason that we didn't tell them to completely restrict it is because honestly, in today's day and age, that's really just not possible. Um, and we didn't think that it would actually be ecologically valid. So. What we also did to build on previous studies is instead of collecting subjective data, meaning that we would ask the students, how much time do you think you spent on Facebook this week, which could or could not be correct. We actually had them send us screenshots of the battery usage on their phone so we could see how much time they were spending on each application. And then in addition to that, they had to fill out a survey once a week that um, we created with a variety of clinically validated measures to look at a lot of aspects of well-being, including depression, loneliness, FOMO, things like that. So what is it, what did you find uh, that causes depression, the use of these um, platforms? What is it about them or the, the extended use of them or maybe the overuse of them that would lead to depression? So there are a lot of theories about that. Our study specifically identified that if you limit your social media usage, you will experience a decrease in depression and loneliness. Um, but in terms of what's actually causing that, a lot of the current literature out there suggests that if you're interacting on social media, you're more likely to engage in a downward social comparison with the people that you're looking at. Like you were saying before, you can see your friends on Instagram, you see what they're doing, and people might not necessarily present a realistic version of themselves on social media. And another factor of that, which you were mentioning with the Thanksgiving table, is that all the time that you're spending on social media, for every minute you're looking at a screen, that's a minute you're not interacting with people in the real world. So that also has a negative impact. And I, I, I just, um, you know, I wasn't born into the Internet age. You were. I mean, at, at your age, if you're a senior in college, um, you're going to graduate in 2019, so I assume you're a senior. Um, yes. Uh, you don't know anything else you know, I, new, anybody who's a little bit older than you, even in, maybe in their th- early 30s, 
Uh, they spent some time in their life without social media, without being able to look things up on Google and without being able to maintain constant contact with their friends no matter where they are. So this generation is an interesting one to study, isn't it? Because it's the first one that's been exposed to this at this uh, for this amount of time and, and for this much intensity and at this level. Oh, yes, it's a complete cultural shift. And you see a wide range of differences depending on which population you look at, which is why we decided to use undergraduate students because they're the ones that are most likely going to be using these applications. But one of the most interesting parts, like you were saying, is that we basically can look anything up at any time on our phones. We didn't even think it was possible to tell our subjects that they weren't allowed to use social media at all because there's so many things that it's used for today, and it's just honestly so pervasive in our culture. Well, did uh, did you and the the people you were involved in the study with did you w- come away with um, a, any kind of a definitive judgment on the 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 effects, the positive or negative effects of this, Is, or did you just, or were you just looking to find out what's happening and not you know what's good about it, what's bad about it, or or whether it should go away? Or I know you said that um, you didn't expect anybody to just not use social media anymore. Right. So um, what we went into this study looking for is uh, some, type of a, some type of a causal connection. All the previous research showed only associations, meaning that you can say, okay, if you use social media, you're more likely to be less depressed. But you can't actually say that the social media is making you depressed or not. Mm-hmm. So that's the purpose of the study that we undertook is we wanted to be able to say, okay, your decreased social media usage, that is actually what is causing you to have a decrease in depression and loneliness. Now, I think what's unique, and we're talking to Jordan Young. She's a senior at uh, University of Pennsylvania, was involved, and uh, it was her idea to do a study on um, the use of uh, social media and how it can lead to depression, or maybe less use of it could prevent it. I I guess I want to make sure I put it the right way. But um, what makes this unique to me and what what caught my eye on this, Jordan, is that um, this is a study being done by a university, but you are um, among the group that's being studied. You're you're an undergraduate at the University of Pennsylvania, and you're you're kind of studying your own um, peers, and so that's kind of interesting to me. Uh, and I'm so I'm just wondering the difference between what you found in the study and what you found just from being a 20 year old woman in a college. You know what I mean? Like right. uh, you you were you, there's just, there's two different approaches to to that, and and maybe two different perspectives. Right, yeah. So that's actually what sparked the initial interest in this study. When me and my two other undergraduate co-authors met with our professor, who is our fourth co-author, when we were discussing what angles we could look at social media, we noticed she had a, obviously a very different perspective than we did because she's a seasoned adult. She has children. You know, she's, she's at a different stage of life than we are, and she didn't grow up with this technology. Mm-hmm. So we had conversations of what we thought would be reasonable to study and what we thought would actually yield some interesting results. And it was it was kind of interesting, actually, to see the difference because she said, oh, there's, you know, we can definitely just tell them probably not to use social media. And then we had a whole in-depth conversation of, well, we don't actually think that that's going to be possible. Um, and me and my two other undergraduate co-authors also noticed ourselves using less social media as the study went on and we were looking at these results, which we thought was kind of funny. Yeah, now, I have, uh, I have a granddaughter who just turned 20 today. So... Congratulations! Um, yeah, thanks. So I'm, I'm, you know, I've I've witnessed this and I've watched her, and I, my wife and I will laugh about it. And, you know, this is going back a few years. We take her out for ice cream, and she's sitting there eating her sundae or drinking her milkshake, and I see her take her phone out, and she takes a picture of it, and mm-hmm. and I said, "What are you doing?" 
she said, well, I'm sending it. To, I'm just sending it to my friends. Well, you know, when I was a kid, if I was sitting there eating a, a, a chocolate sundae, I just ate the chocolate sundae. I didn't feel like I needed to share it with the rest of my friends to make sure that they knew what I was doing. Is that the kind of thing that can lead to the depression you're talking about? Not the actual, you know, taking a picture of the Sunday, but the fact that the, you feel the need to share everything. And if, if you're not, if you don't feel like you're able to share things that uh, make you look good, then that is some reason, in some way can lead to you being depressed? So that actually plays into the downward social comparison piece that I was talking about. Yeah. Because like you said, people feel like they have to share every aspect of their, of their lives on social media. And a lot of times when people put those photos up, they're not actually realistic. They'll put a filter on it, for example. They might edit it to make themselves look a certain way. Mm-hmm. They may only post the specific ones that they think look the best. And it just presents an unrealistic view of what life for everybody is actually like. So that's what leads to that downward social comparison, which we think, based on previous research, might contribute to this development of depression. Again, I'm going back and forth between uh, Jordan Young, the uh, researcher, and Jordan Young, the college <laughs> senior, because I, I, I'm, I'm curious, um, what, what was the reaction of your friends when you told, not, not your friends who are involved in your study with you, but I'm just talking about, you know, uh, your friends, um, What's been their reaction when you talk to them about what you found out? Do they think that there's some validity to it? Do they, they poo-poo it? What, what are they, what's their reaction? Oh, absolutely. They said that they weren't shocked at all that that's what we found. The interesting piece about it, because they've said, someone turned around to me and they were like, oh, well, I heard someone say that social media, depression are linked. I've seen that on the news before. And I was like, okay, well, the actual novel piece of this study is connecting that in a causal manner. People didn't seem overall surprised that that's what we found because they've experienced it themselves, that when they get so sucked into social media, they feel just more depressed and more lonely. But the fact that we were actually able to prove it kind of validated those feelings for them. At least that's what I found when I talked to my peers. And so based on your, you know, just being, again, being a a college senior and also being a real smart person who did a really good study and a psychology major, right? Yes, I am. Yeah. So... um, what would happen to you and your friends if the Russians somehow, um, you know, blew up the grid and there was no Internet for like six months? Would, would you feel helpless? <laughs> would, uh, or would it be a good thing? I think that might, that, make, that might make doing my homework a little bit harder because I have to use the Internet for that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, I mean, hopefully we don't have to find out. Yeah, because, because you know, one of the things that amazes me is is that, you know, if if I had to – if someone asked me a question, I, 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 when I was your age, I, I couldn't take out my phone and say, well, let me check that. Let me Google who, what years right. was Woodrow Wilson president of the United States. I mean, you find it out in five seconds. So that, that's going to change. Again, you're, you're a psychology major. So uh, how does that – I mean, how does the ability to, to access information not only about things like who was president, you know, who, were the, who was the 15th president of the United States, but – access information about what your friends are doing all the time. How is that going to, what kind of creature is that going to create as adults when everybody, everybody who's walking this planet has grown up with that kind of ability to access information? How's that going to change things? I know that's a crazy question, but I wonder about yeah. it. I'll, I'll be gone by that time, but you won't. 
No, I think honestly, it's a really interesting question. And it's something that I really don't think anybody can answer quite yet because there are no current adults who grew up with this culture of social media and grew up with this constant comparison to the people around them and being able to instantaneously share everything that they're doing and then compare it to what their peers are doing. This is It's just a novel culture that hasn't existed before. So I think as the years go on, we'll have a lot more insight into that. Now, again, this might be an unfair question, but would be the good advice be to quit comparing yourself to other people or stop using social media as much or both? <laughs> so um, as a result of our study, what our findings told us is that if you're able to limit your social media usage, that will give you the most benefit. And honestly, that goes along with the idea of just everything in moderation, which I'm sure a lot of people have heard about. So like you wouldn't, for example, if you love cake, you wouldn't mm-hmm. eat an entire cake, you would have a slice. So kind of the same concept. If you enjoy social media, use it. Just use it in moderation. Now, that's, that gets me to my last question. Um, what are the chances of, again, your friends reducing their use of social media? On, on a, oh. 10 being the most likely, what would be the chances of that happening based on maybe even your advice from the study that you did? <laughs> a lot of my friends have told me they've actually tried to use social media less. Um, now that the study has come out, which has been really interesting to see because they've noticed, oh, my gosh, I have so much so much more time now. Like, let's go do something and hang out in person, which I think has honestly had really great impact. Well, I just want to let you know, Jordan, my wife is the same age as I am. She has never sent an email. I have. I, I mean, I'm, I'm a little bit I'm a little <laughs> bit more uh, able to handle this uh, technology, but that, that's the world I live in. OK. <laughs> Oh, my goodness. <laughs> well, hey, Jordan, I really appreciate it. Congratulations, by the way. That, that's pretty cool what you did, I think. You know, still, when I was oh, your age, I was, uh, I think I was in my fourth college, and I was still trying to figure out what I was going to major in, and you've already come up with a study that's being, you know, uh, uh, just looked at as something, I guess, pretty pretty monumental and a, and a, and a great discovery. So, congratulations. Thank you very much. Yeah, we just, honestly, we hope that these findings are able to help people feel better. Well, thank you for uh, taking the time to be on with us. Thanks a lot. Thank you for having me. Okay. And that's uh, Jordan Young, and she's about 800 years ahead of where I was when I was her age. I don't know if that means anything, but when we come back, we'll come up with something to talk about before we head out for the holiday. Are you about to pay double for new windows, siding, or doors? If you haven't called Windows R Us, you just might. Many companies are overcharging area homes and businesses nearly double. With over 50 years in home remodeling, Windows R Us is more than a window company. They're the area's premier exterior replacement company for roofs, gutters, siding doors, and, of course, windows. Windows R Us will never overcharge. You'll love their no-pressure approach, straightforward pricing, and the fastest turnaround in the business. Right now, get zero interest for 12 months and up to $20,000 on new vinyl, fiberglass, or wood windows. With options like triple-pane glass and names like Pella, no hidden fees or surprises ever. Your no-loophole lifetime warranty covers everything, including glass breakage, at no additional cost. Mention AM 1250 with your free estimate for an exclusive 10% off. Why pay double? Visit the area's premier exterior replacement company, windowsruspittsburgh.com. Don't be at a disadvantage when it comes to your Medicare coverage. The 2018 Donut Hole is closing fast. Open enrollment ends December 7th, and you have some important decisions to make today. This is John Stagerwald. Medicare is confusing. 
Todd Marley and the experts at Marley Financial know you have questions and they have the answers you're looking for. Before you lock in for another year, are you sure you're getting the best coverage possible? Visit MarleyFG.com and find out for yourself. Do you hold Pat for 2019? Has your Advantage plan changed terms on you? What premiums are going up next year and how much? Should you switch your Part D prescription plan or drop it all together? Don't go it alone. Let Marley Financial steer you to a comprehensive solution that lets you access any hospital or doctor you want. A plan that focuses not just on cost, but quality. With lower deductibles and co-pays that are little to none. Why get stuck paying thousands in out-of-pocket expenses? Visit MarleyFG.com today. That's MarleyFG.com. The Original Mattress Factory's mission is simple. We hand-build quality mattresses in our local factories. We sell those mattresses directly to our customers so we can eliminate the middleman, saving you hundreds of dollars compared to mainstream brands. While the other guys have their gimmicks, the Original Mattress Factory has a straightforward approach and is committed to quality and doing what's best for our customers. It's what we've done for almost 30 years. Go to OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. Great beds, no bull. That is the Original Mattress Factory difference. Quality products plus factory direct prices equals great value. Mattresses that are designed with better materials. Mattresses that are hand-built in local factories. Mattresses that cost hundreds less than the mainstream mattress brands. Now, I know what you're thinking. This all sounds too good to be true, right? Well, it isn't. Stop by one of our factory locations or visit us at OriginalMattress.com to see the OMF difference for yourself. The Original Mattress Factory. Thoughtfully made, honestly priced. This Christmas, the tradition continues with Bill Gaither and the Gaither Christmas Homecoming Tour with special guests, the Neelands, Charlotte Ritchie, Kevin Williams, and Mark Lowry. 6 p.m. Saturday night, December 1st at the First Summit Arena in Johnstown. Tickets available now at 800-745-3000, the First Summit Arena box office, or at Gaither.com. Produced by Fill the Gap Concerts. The economy is growing, businesses are hiring, and Americans are feeling good about their future opportunities. Looking to upgrade your career? AM 1250 hosts an online virtual job fair, 24 hours a day, 7 days a week, every day of the year. Keyword virtual at theanswerpgh.com to find our newest employment opportunities from the comfort of your computer or smartphone. Sponsored by Express Employment Professionals of Robinson Township. The virtual job fair at theanswerpgh.com. This is the John Steigerwald Show on AM 1250, The Answer. So uh, earlier today uh, on Twitter, and you can follow me on Twitter at Steigerworld. Earlier, I I was hearing all the stories about the airport and this the, the nightmare that it is to be flying in or out of Pittsburgh right now, in or out of anywhere. And I, I tweeted, if I had to make a choice between flying somewhere for Thanksgiving dinner and eating a bologna sandwich at home, I'd eat the bologna. I, I can't believe that anybody's I, I just I, I mean I can believe it, but it's it's just amazing to me. I, I couldn't I couldn't deal with it. I could I saw the lines at the airport. I I don't know how people do it. And Pittsburgh is uh not half as bad as some other places. Um so I'm really happy that I'm going to be going to Thanksgiving dinner tomorrow. It's going to take me about 12 minutes to get to where I'm going. <laughs> and I think of people waiting in line for an hour and a half in the security line. Uh, so somebody tweeted, hey, it, uh, tweeted back, um, hey, it doesn't matter. Um, it's not about the dinner. My family's going to fly in because they 
And, she, and, the, and the woman said, I'm glad because I love him and I want to see him and all that. And so it occurred to me, that's true. If somebody, when you look at the, all the, you're going to see it ad nauseum, you're going to see the video of how nasty it is at the airport. If you have someone who's going through that to come home to see you, you're either a really good cook or they like you a lot because it's nasty. So uh, appreciate it. If somebody if somebody is going through that to come home to eat dinner with you tomorrow and just to you know enjoy the holiday weekend, they like you a lot. They love you. So you know enjoy that. Be thankful for it and have a good holiday. And I'll see you on Monday. Thanks to Aaron Byrne for her work all uh, up until today for the five months or whatever it is we've been on the air. And I'll see you Monday. The John Steigerwall Show is a production of AM 1250, The Answer, and Salem Media Group.